I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. My name is Mark Daly and it is Monday night, not Sunday night. And on Sunday nights on race weekends, we usually talk about Grand Prix and races and all that good stuff. But I actually forgot that this weekend was Canadian Thanksgiving too. So to all my friends across Canada from coast to coast, happy Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoyed your turkey dinner or whatever special tradition you have on this day. And to uh, all the rest of you that are listening in, uh, I hope that you had a great weekend wherever you are. And I know my American friends, your Thanksgiving is coming up in just over a month's time. And then it really is uh, the, the countdown to the end of the year and the the, the holiday season and all that. So it is, uh, it's a nice time of year. Plus, uh, the, the weather's been pretty good here on the West Coast for the past uh, couple of days. So it was a pretty nice fall weekend crisp uh, autumn weather. I really enjoyed that, uh, but I was just checking the weather forecast before I sat down in the studio, and it looks like we're in for a typical wet and blustery start to the work week tomorrow morning uh, as well. We get a lot of it here in uh, on the west coast of Canada, specifically in the lower mainland in Vancouver where I live. So, you know, it just is what it is, but we're not here to complain about uh, Vancouver weather, although we could certainly do that if you want uh, at another date in time, because we like to do that here. It's a kind of uh well it's kind of how the way the, the way that we roll but we are here to talk about formula one we're here specifically to talk about the eiffel grand prix that went at the nurburgring this past weekend and most importantly we're here to talk about lewis hamilton winning the race and uh, equaling michael schumacher's 91 grand prix victories now lewis is absolutely an elite company and l- let's face it he was several world championships and quite uh, some time ago i mean just go back a couple of years ago when he uh, equaled uh, all these different, well, what, what was he equal that time? Uh, was it pole positions uh, that he broke uh, from, uh, from Ayrton Senna? Was given one of Ayrton's uh, helmets this past weekend? Is presented with one of Michael's helmets? So, I mean, he really is in that that pantheon of uh, the, the great Formula One drivers of all time. And the question is now, is he going to do it in terms of, uh, you know, basically re- rewriting all the, 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 the records? But when is he going to stop? And what are those numbers finally going to be when Lewis decides to uh, call it quits and decide that, uh, you know, I, I've had enough in my time in Formula One? But uh, congratulations to him. I mean, it uh, really is a phenomenal statistic and uh, and milestone to reach. I mean, I was a big fan of Michael Schumacher. 
back in the day. But the thing is, compared Lewis to to to, to Michael, as I mean, they're both supremely talented Formula One drivers. But uh, the, the thing that uh, that I think sets Lewis apart is just his his stature and uh, as as a sportsman. I mean, we all know about. Uh, the, some of the controversial incidents we had with the, with Michael, you know, I think about him and Jacques Villeneuve at Jerez back in 97, the, uh, the, the collision that he had with uh, Damon Hill and what was it, 1994? That, that, you know, I guess that one uh, depends a little bit on your point of view uh, and who you're cheering for in that world championship. Uh, certainly the time that, uh, you know, he parked his car in Monaco during qualified. I mean, there were some controversial moments there. And uh, Lewis has always been classy, been a, a, a sport uh, all the time. So, you know, really, really uh, good to see him uh, equal that record. And like I say, it's, it's going to be a question of uh, not uh, how much, but uh, when is he going to uh, decide to, to, to call it quits? But before we get into some of the stories that came out of the, the Nürburgring over the weekend, let's just quickly just uh, run down the top 10. So we had uh, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, and Danny Ricardo. No, that is not... Uh, uh, I'm not reading that uh, incorrectly. The final race cra- classification, uh, Danny Ricardo getting uh, Renault's first podium in many, many moons and winning the bet that he had with uh, team principal uh, Surreal Abitable. So Danny, Rick and uh, Surreal are going to go down to the tattoo shop to get inked. Surreal gets to choose the size and location and Danny has the sole say on the design. The only thing that he's given away so far, I don't know if he's got something picked out, but what he said that is going to feature some sort of German uh, sort of theme or motif to it to to recognize where they achieved that uh, first uh, podium uh, together at Renault. Then we had uh, Sergio Perez just missing out uh, on the podium for racing port, uh, point. Uh, Carlos Sainz, Pierre Gasly, Charles Leclerc in the in the in the Ferrari coming in seventh. Nico Hulkenberg filling in for Lance Stroll coming home in P8 and the second racing point. And I think that is an absolutely phenomenal story. Uh, Roman Grosjean coming home in ninth for the Haas, uh, getting their first points in a long time as well. And then Antonio Giovinazzi in the Alfa Romeo uh, coming home in P10. I think that's uh, another great story. And Sebastian Vettel just missing out in uh, out of the points in P11. And then uh, his uh, former teammate, Kimi Raikkonen, in the second and Alpha and uh, Antonio's um, uh, teammates coming home in P12. So there you go. Anyway, well, we might as well just keep going. We just about gone through the uh, the full race classification. We had K-Mag in the second half, or Haas in P13, Nicholas Latifi in the Williams P14, Danny Kvyat in uh, 15th, and the final uh, car that was classified. Then we had uh, five cars that didn't finish the race, including Lando Norris, Alex Albon, Esteban Ocon, uh, Valtteri Bottas. No, I did not uh, mispronounce that or misspeak at all. Valtteri Bottas uh, did not finish retiring with the power unit issue on lap 18 and then uh, George Russell uh, crashed out of the race or was collided and punted off the track rather unceremoniously by uh, Kimi Raikkonen at uh, turn one and that happened on uh, lap number 12. So the drivers championship Lewis Hamilton uh, miles ahead of his teammate uh, Valtteri Bottas. Uh, Lewis uh, 230 points in the championship right now with what about half a dozen races to go. I mean he's an all- manner of speaking world champion uh, at the moment uh, Valtteri Bottas like I said uh, second with 161 Max Verstappen closing in on second place in the driver's uh, championship Max now 147 so you know he's closing in I mean that is uh, that that's going to be one to watch over the next half dozen racers or so and I think that if uh, Max can um, can overtake and, uh, and 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 beat Valtteri Bottas that will be quite a story 
and this year. Uh, Danny Ricardo now fourth in the championship with 78 points. Then we have Sergio Perez, Lando Norris, Alex Albon. Yeah, Lando, a bit disappointing. He's uh, dropped down a, a, a little bit there, the McLaren driver. Then we have Alex Albon, seventh, Charles Leclerc, eighth, Lance Stroll, ninth, and Pierre Gasly, tenth in the driver's uh, championship. And then we have in the constructors, we'll just go over the top five. We have uh, Mercedes, uh, of course, light years ahead of everybody else with 391, Red Bull, two. 211 racing point mclaren and renault so the the mclaren and renault well actually the 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 scrap for uh, the third fourth and fifth place uh, spots in the championship are, are only separated by six points we have uh, racing point on 120 mclaren with 116 and renault with 114 points so that is going to change over the next half dozen races or, or so before we get to abu dhabi in about uh, two months time so that should be a, a fun battle to to to, to, to watch so anyways uh, oh, one thing i did want to mention was the fastest uh, lap of the race and let me just uh, pull that up here before we uh, get into the news itself fastest lap of the race at the Nürburgring was set uh, by Max Verstappen on lap 60 he set a 128.139 and just uh, snuck that extra point for fastest lap of uh, the race uh, away from Lewis Hamilton I mean uh, Lewis set fastest lap just a couple of laps uh, before Max did he set a 128.145 so I mean only a about a hundredth and a half uh, sorry yeah a hundredth and a half of a second uh, splitting those two times so uh, that is uh, pretty impressive and then uh, Danny Ricardo had the third uh, fastest lap of the race he set that on uh, lap 53 and that is a, a 129.584 so I mean uh, <laughs> those two laps set by Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton right at the end of the race there uh, that, those were eye-watering compared to uh, some of the other times that, uh, that that were set out there anyways like I say the big story of the weekend at the Nürburgring was uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton equaling Schumacher's 91 victories. Uh, Max Verstappen had to say, quote, it's an incredible achievement. 91 wins. Everyone thought that was almost impossible to reach, right? To be there now himself, it's incredible and very impressive. And I'm pretty sure there'll be more victories coming his way and probably also championships. So, yep, just very impressive and hard to beat. So, End quote. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think all of us that, uh, of, you know, of my generation and older that uh, that went through the Schumacher era, I don't think we thought that that, uh, that record would be beaten. I mean, it's taken uh, Lewis, obviously, some time uh, to do that. I mean, that record has stood for, uh, for a good many years, and I didn't actually think it would ever fall. But I mean, I guess the signs have obviously been there for several years now, especially as Lewis has been racking up the world championships as well. And uh, I mean, he's going to I mean, sitting on six right now, he'll equal Michael's seventh uh, by the end of the year. And just like Max says, uh, it's going to be a question of uh, how how many more is he going to win uh, after that. It is certainly an impressive, impressive uh, you know, feat that he's done. And uh, four-time world champion and third uh, on the all-time wins list, Sebastian Vettel, the Ferrari driver, uh, tipped his hat to uh, Lewis Hamilton saying, quote, I can't respect his efforts enough. I think it's been a number in my head that I'd always thought would never be beaten or equal. I think we're generally quite certain that he will exceed this number, end quote. Uh, oh, sorry. And then uh, Seb also went, went to, to go on, quote, nevertheless, I have to say Michael will always be my hero. I think uh, Michael had something about him that I haven't seen in other drivers so far. It's probably the fact that I looked up to him when I was a child and Lewis, I didn't look up to when I was a child because I was racing him. So it's a different situation going on. But probably in another 10, 15, 20 years time, there'll be more admiration 
motivation for that. But obviously, when you're still active, you're looking at yourself and not so much at others. But as I said, you can't cherish him enough for what he has achieved, end quote. So good uh, praise from a contemporary and a competitor and rival of uh, Lewis Hamilton. I have to admit that uh, that, that I'm a bit disappointed the way that, uh, that that rivalry has kind of cooled off over the past year or two. I mean, certainly in uh, 2018, when it was Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel, that had a little bit more for me than, say, the uh, the, the, the Lewis Hamilton and um, uh, Nico Rosberg era at Mercedes, just because uh, the, the fact it was a, a different driver and a different team. And, you know, Ferrari, Mercedes, all the history going back all these years and decades in Formula One, it certainly had uh, the, the opportunity to be something uh, special. But as uh, Sebastian's and uh, Ferrari's fortunes have cooled over time, Obviously, that uh, that rivalry has uh, diminished as well, at least in terms of uh, competitiveness. I'm sure the rivalry is still there, obviously, I think, from uh, from Sebastian's point of view. But uh, it's going to have to wait until perhaps he gets uh, a better car underneath him at Aston Martin next year. Anyways, uh, time for a quick break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So speaking about the man of the moment, Lewis Hamilton, uh, talking about uh, equally Michael Schumacher's record of 91 uh, Grand Prix victories at the Nürburgring, says uh, he hopes that the memory of uh, equaling this feat can stick, uh, despite uh, the, the fact that he still has to focus on winning a championship uh, this year. And uh, Lewis had to say, quote, I'm definitely going to take this next couple of days to really try and understand, let it marinate. But what I cannot uh, do is drop the ball. I cannot take my off the ball for a second. Yes. Yes, I have a points gap. Yes, we've got the, these great wins, but the championship is still to be won. This uh, The job is not uh, done yet, so training will continue to be an, an uh, important diet. will continue to be important, getting the right sleep. I don't know what this week will hold. There's still lots of conversations, Zoom calls that I have uh, with Formula One in terms of their plans. I've got uh, a lot of Hamilton commission calls that I have to continue to have every week. I'll be back in work mode, but I think it's very important. This moment will pass very quickly, and we'll be on to the next thing. You know, I've got a bad 
memory. So somehow I have to make it stick, end quote. But I think for anybody that uh, has a bad uh, memory, I think uh, something as momentous as equaling one of the all-time uh, Formula One uh, great records is uh, something that will stick uh, for a while. But there was one thing out of that quote that uh, that kind of stuck out when I first heard it was the fact that uh, he has to let it sort of sit and marinate uh, for, for a couple of days. And I think uh, for myself that that's a similar uh, feeling and emotion, if you want to call it that, that I had. Like I said, I've been a big fan of uh, Michael Schumacher going back uh, through the years. And uh, as I sit here on the other side of the studio on my rack of uh, F1 uh, memorabilia, I've got a number of uh, Formula One hats. I've got a, a Lewis Hamilton a Mercedes, a Nico Rosberg Mercedes, a Damon Hill Jordan um, a souvenir cap I got at the Spanish Grand Prix a couple of years ago. I've got some Red Bull caps and some more Mercedes ones uh, behind me. But uh, the one that's sort of uh, in middle front and center is a red uh, Decra uh, festooned uh, Ferrari hat uh, with uh, Michael Schumacher's uh, logo or signature on the back. And uh, that one uh, goes back uh, quite some time has uh, been a favorite of mine. So, yeah, I mean, we're just sort of thinking about that, that, you know, considering everything that Michael did. I mean, he was that uh, and still is, I mean, one of the gold standards. In, in Formula One. So to, to see Lewis equaling some of these records and now being equal on or better in, in some categories, like another driver like uh, Michael Schumacher, especially equaling like uh, the 91 all-time wins, that's uh, definitely going to take uh, a lot of time or some time for, for many of us and obviously Lewis himself to really kind of... Um, to, to digest it and, and absorb it and really think about it because that really is an impressive thing. I mean, we've become, I'd say a custom, I wouldn't say used to because I think there's a bit of, um, what do you want to call it? Familiarity, laziness, comfortableness. I don't know what the, the, the best way to articulate that, but uh, we, we, we are, you know, quite obviously used to seeing uh, Lewis Hamilton win races on a very consistent uh, basis each and every year as he's done for, well, I mean, ever since his uh, beginning, uh, his career in Formula One. And of course, that uh, just accelerated on an exponential level uh, since he went to uh, Mercedes a good number of years ago. But uh, when you see how those, uh, you know, every, you know, the number of wins he scores each and every year, seven, eight, nine, ten wins, whatever it might be, how that uh, really snowballs over the years. And all of a sudden, you know, these last couple of weeks and especially some of the the, the, the missed opportunities that he's had in recent times, you know, you go back and say, look at Monza when uh, he had the, uh, you know, the, the, the penalty there and some of the, you know, <laughs> some of the issues that he's had over the past couple of races that have kind of delayed it. But I think the timing was really fortuitous when you think that he did it in Germany on, uh, you know, on a track that uh, that Michael Schumacher has raced at and won. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, just kind of adds uh, a little bit more to the uh, to the occasion. I think there's just a, a little bit more of a connection there between Michael and Lewis. So still a, a very cool thing. So Total Wolf, team principal at uh, Mercedes, said that he enjoyed the scrap that uh, Lewis and his teammate Valtteri Bottas had at the, the beginning of the Eiffel Grand Prix. And I think that, uh, <laughs> well, I think that he could only say that in retrospect uh, after the, the, the fact that these two guys didn't drive into each other and uh, take each other out or demand or damage one of their cars as uh, we'd seen in a previous incarnation of uh, Mercedes uh, when we uh, we had Lewis and uh, Nico Rosberg go back to the Spanish Grand Prix in 2016 when they took each other out in what was it turn three or four on the first lap go back to Austria go back to Spa go back to any one of these uh, number of races uh, and incidents that they
they had where they collided with each other uh, and uh, that that relationship uh, really soured but I mean that was you know all, in all fa- fairness I mean they raced each other hard um, uh, Lewis got the better start he got more traction more grip uh, at, at, at the beginning of the race he had the inside line but uh, uh, Bottas did not back off I mean he really fought him hard they gave each other just enough room and uh, I, I thought it was really well played uh, by both of them anyways uh, Toto had to say quote I enjoyed uh, the racing between the two of them because I've never doubted that there would be any contact these guys respect each other they know very well what the boundaries within the team are Lewis had braked a little bit late and had full lock and that obviously pushed Valtteri wide but uh, Valtteri in his true style as a rally driver kept the foot down and deserved the position I enjoyed that end quote anyways uh, Bottas he went on to say that the fight uh, with Lewis was good fun <laughs> which is uh, kind of uh, funny um, but uh, I mean he's uh, I mean he's a little bit more uh, forthcoming uh, and a little bit uh, more uh, talkative than say his countryman uh, and fellow Finn Kimi Raikkonen uh, but uh, not really big on the words but it, it, it was fun to watch and it, it was unfortunate that uh, he had that MGUH issue that uh, that that took him out in the you know early in the race and that was uh, sort of disappointing. I mean, as good as uh, Bottas has been this year, I mean, he's uh, you know he's been there thereabouts. I mean, he's won a race. I mean, he I mean the, the 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 qualifying where he did to Lewis what Lewis usually does to everybody else by just sitting purple sectors right on his very last hot lap of the uh, uh, of qualifying. That was impressive. I I really thought that uh, that that, that Bottas obviously he deserved that. I mean, uh, putting in a lap like that, but uh, it was uh, good to see. It's just uh, unfortunate that these two didn't uh, you know weren't able to take it all the way to the checkered flag and unfortunately that really opens up the gap in the championship and uh, you know Bottas said uh, that he needs a miracle now to beat uh, Hamilton in in the race to the title and well let's be fair I mean to say that he would need a miracle at any rate to beat Lewis Hamilton in the championship that might be a little bit mean a little bit unfair the thing is at this this point Lewis is still the best driver out there he's still the fastest driver Bottas while he's going to have his moments without a doubt uh, in, in any Formula One season is uh, just uh, always going to be that little bit uh, further behind uh, Lewis than uh you know, maybe he would like. I mean, he like I say, he does have his moments. He is good to win a couple of races uh, every year, and he is going to get pole position from time to time. But until Lewis either you know starts to lose that edge and starts to to, to slow down naturally with age or whatever the the, the, the case may be, uh, I just uh, have a bit of. Um, I wouldn't say a hard time, but uh, like I say, I, I think it's one of these cases that, you know, prove it to me on a consistent basis that you can beat Lewis Hamilton. And then I'll start to believe that there may be something to, you know, Bottas being a serious contender uh, to, the, to the world championship. Because until, uh, you, know, you know, I mean, Nico Rosberg is the only guy that's been able to do it in the modern era. And he only pulled it out uh, by the skin of his teeth uh, back in 2016. And I think that, uh, that, that, that Bottas is going to need similar kind of luck. Uh, uh, or similar kind of results like uh, Nico did. Uh, he got out uh, a big, uh, what was it, a 43, 44-point gap over the first uh, four or five races back in 2016. And Lewis, while he was able to pull back, uh, you know, later in the year and and, and really make a challenge for it, it, it you know, by the time he uh, was really looking like he might be able to turn it around and take away for Rosberg, he had that uh, engine failure in Malaysia. And then uh, from there, uh, Rosberg was just uh, basically managing it and, and, and not pushing it harder than he needed 
needed to and just uh, playing the points rather than the wins. And then it came down to that uh, that that race in Abu Dhabi at the very end and uh, where Lewis tried to back uh, his teammate into Max Verstappen and Sebastian Vettel and hope that one of them would try to you know, uh, pass him. But anyways, uh, the, the, the point is, I think that uh, Valtteri is going to need a similar kind of run of results where he's able to open up a, a points gap on Lewis Hamilton and then, uh, you know, keep that uh, points gap going over the season if he's really going to make a serious run at the championship. Anyways, uh, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Please don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So a couple other things that uh, that went on at the uh, the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nürburgring this uh, past weekend. Sebastian Vettel uh, said that he took too much risk uh, trying to uh, climb his way through the running order at the Grand Prix. And, uh, and that after he had a spin early in the race while he was trying to uh, get past Antonio Giovinazzi at the, the first corner on lap 11, uh, he went back in, uh, he flat spotted his tires and then uh, changed to the hard compounds. Anyways, uh, Seb had to say, quote, I was trying to make uh, progress and uh, taking a lot of risk. Looking back on it, obviously too much risk. And I think I lost the car when I was crossing the wake. Certainly that was not the intention and destroyed my chance to do uh, better. Uh, It wasn't the easiest race and I was stuck in traffic also uh, because of my own fault. Therefore, it was difficult to make a lot of progress. I think we probably had more pace where I finished. It was not a good race, end quote. So yeah, I mean, uh, but, but at that point, I mean, Vettel really has nothing to lose. He's going to Aston Martin this year. He's just kind of keeping the seat at Ferrari warm for uh, Carlos Sainz. You know, uh, why not uh, try something? It didn't work. I mean, you can tell that uh, he's not as comfortable in that car as uh, Charles Leclerc, who uh, regularly does uh, a little bit uh, better than he does. Obviously qualified uh, very well and uh, scored, um, well, he scored points in that race while Sebastian didn't. But he really has nothing to lose at uh, at this point. I mean, uh, he's... I mean, his time at Ferrari is done. You know, let's try and well try and do something. Hope you uh, get a result. Anyways, uh, Lando Norris's uh, race-ending uh, issue at the Eiffel Grand Prix was an exact copy of what happened to the engine problem that, that he had at uh, Spa Francorchamps uh, a month or so ago, and uh, and it's also the same problem that the Carlos Sainz had uh, before the start of uh, that race, uh, I should say. Um, anyways, uh, the, the 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 problem was, uh, according to Andreas Seidel, who's the team uh, principal, is that uh, it was. An ignition uh, faults uh, that uh, science had on the the way to the starting grid in Belgium, and then uh, well, I mean that uh, that put him out of the race right from the very beginning. And then, uh, anyways, uh, Seidel had to say, "quote It looks like the same issue we experienced in Spa on Carlos's side. So what happened here in the end is that there's an issue on the ignition side, which caused uh, causing unburned fuel going into the exhaust, and then it goes kaput." Uh, we tried to, to get out of this, uh, let's say, protection mode that the engine goes into when having such an issue, but unfortunately it wasn't possible because the problem was constantly there then. Obviously it was very disappointing because we were there with uh, Lando in a very good position in the race. He was running P with P4 on a different stat- strategy compared to Daniel Ricciardo, and he was actually catching him, end quote. So that's a bit frustrating, obviously, uh, for, for McLaren to have a, a similar issue cause them races, or, you know, well, cost them points and finishes in, in both of those races. Carlos uh, not getting to the start in Belgium and uh, Lando who was looking actually uh, pretty good and uh, that bit of a double whammy for Lando Norris because uh, you saw him drop down in the uh, the, the drivers uh, championship uh, as well. Anyways, uh, Michael Massey, the race uh, director of uh, Formula One, uh, explained why he decided to uh, set the or send the safety car out 
onto the track after uh, Lando's uh, uh, car stopped and he uh, parked on the side of the track, actually pretty close to where the the marshals and uh, one of these mobile cranes were. Um, Anyways, uh, uh, Michael Massey had to say, uh, quote, Lando's car had some smoke and fire, so that was one point. The other was, at first glance, we weren't the most uh, confident that the car could actually be recovered into the opening that was there due to the tightness of it. So rather than having to react along the way, it was determined to go for a safety car. That way it could be dealt with all at once immediately. It was the safest action in that circumstance, end quote. So, yeah, I guess you could see that when you saw the overhead uh, camera, there was an opening there with the tractor that they could kind of get in and out. But uh, it was kind of on a funny angle. And uh, Lando did the right thing there. And obviously, when it comes to a question of safety, you know, it's, uh, that, that has to uh, be the, the, the number one priority. And that's why I think it was interesting because they had to come up with a contingency plan because uh, everything got fogged in at the the Nürburgring on uh, the, the the Friday and led to the the, the, the cancellation and it was basically because the the, the, the the medical helicopter couldn't fly if uh, there was an accident somebody had to be transported to a hospital within that 20 minute uh, window and it really brought me back to my visit uh, to the track uh, way back uh, almost 20 years ago now and when you get off the autobahn there and you um, start heading towards the, uh, the the track itself to the west it really is a tight, narrow, winding road, and uh, I seem to remember, and of course, my memory's dulled a little bit uh, by the uh, you know number of years intervening between then and now, but I seem to remember most of the way it was uh, just uh, two lanes. It was, you know, I mean, where I live now, I mean, there's a four-lane road just down by the shopping mall and, uh, you know, this uh, center of town where I live, So, but I mean, compared to where the Nürburgring is, it uh, really is way out uh, comparably in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we were staying in Bonn uh, at that time, the old... Uh, capital of uh, what used to be West Germany, uh, so I mean it took uh, it took some time to get to to the track. I can't remember exactly. I mean it must have taken at least an hour, hour and a half from from our hotel from. You know, we went, by the time we leave to the time we're at the circuit, walking down to our seats at the uh, the, the the bottom of the hairpin there at turn seven. So you could uh, see why it uh, it was a concern, and I guess also you could see uh, as well uh, Michael Massey not wanting to take uh, any uh, chances. Anyways, uh, some other interesting uh, news just as we start to, to wrap it up here. Fernando Alonso is going to do a test for Renault in Barcelona next uh, week, so this is going to be the uh, you know his first chance to get into uh, the, the the car, and uh, so they're going to be uh, doing a promotional or filming day, so they're going to be able to drive up to 100 kilometers with some of these uh, different compound uh, tires are not uh, the, the the normal tires that they could use uh, in, you know, for, for, for race compounds. Anyways, it has not been uh, officially confirmed, but it sounds like uh, it, it's going to happen because uh, Surreal Abitable said that he can't confirm or deny it. So just to kind of read uh, between the uh, uh, you know between the lines there, uh, Motorsport.com tried to follow up uh, with uh, you know uh, the, the the circuit uh, the the people at Barcelona, and they just said that. Uh, uh, they do have uh, something going on on Tuesday, and uh, at, uh, it was for a, a client was uh, confidential. So I don't know. <laughs> Read between the lines there. I mean, uh, <laughs> he, he's he's going to get to the car at some point, but uh, I, I just uh, I think when you have somebody like a, a Beatable saying uh, I cannot confirm or deny, I always uh, sort of lean towards the positive on that. So I, I would not be uh, too surprised at all to see uh, Fernando get into the car uh, at some point uh, sooner 
rather than later. It certainly sounds like it's going to happen at uh, Barcelona in just uh, a couple of days' time. Anyways, uh, Ross Braun, the Managing Director of Motorsport at uh, Formula One, uh, hopes that the uh, the new engine regs uh, and rules will tempt uh, Honda to come back uh, to, to Formula One at that time. Uh, of course, Honda are out of uh, F1 at the end of uh, 2021. Uh, of course, they've got uh, a lot of unfinished business with Red Bull and AlphaTauri to complete uh, before they do that. Anyways, uh, Braun had to say, quote, uh, it is unfortunate Honda are leaving F1 at the end of 2021. It is the fourth time in my racing career that I have stepped back and come back again. I'm optimistic when their situation changes and when F1 evolves, we can again engage them. As Honda have always been an important and welcome members of the F1 community in the past and hopefully for the future. Uh, he goes on to say, all automotive companies are facing massive challenges at the moment, and uh, we as F1 need to respond to that and make sure F1 meets those challenges, stays relevant, and becomes more relevant to provide automotive partners with viable challenges within F1, which can provide support with their objectives away from F1. I hope a new power unit formula, which will be introduced no later than 2026, will encourage them to come back again. We will also be encourage them to be a, a part of the new FAA working groups, which will recommend what sort of power unit we will adopt in the future. They have been great partners in F1. And I look forward to working with them in the future. End quote. So yeah, it would be great to see them uh, you know, re-engaged in, in, in F1. I'm disappointed that they're leaving after the, the, the end of next year. But uh, as we talked about a couple of days, uh, days ago in the podcast, they are uh, focusing all their efforts onto their road cars and those uh, programs. So obviously that's uh, you know a, a big thing and uh, a Formula One program massively expensive. Anyways, on a related note, uh, Surreal Abitabul at uh, from the, the the Renault team principal says that uh, F1 should actually get uh, a pulled together what he calls a think tank excuse me, of experts to figure out uh, what, what is, uh, you know, some that get some really good ideas and, and options for the next generation of Formula One engines and power units. He says they should even consider something like uh, hydrogen uh, power. So that uh, th- that is uh, really, really uh, interesting. The, the, the big thing that I have is that, uh, you know, they can change that, they can do something as, as long as it keeps the, I guess you could say the core DNA, as long as it keeps it Formula One and the cars, they, they don't lose any of the speed or the uh, or, or anything like they have now. I mean, we we all can go back to 2014 to that first race in Australia when we had the the, the first opportunity to hear the the the, the V6 Tyro uh, turbo hybrid engines in a race and just how quiet it was to the normally aspirated uh, cars uh, before that. I mean, uh, I went to uh, okay, let, let's use the example when I went to to the Nurburgring in 2001 for my first uh, Grand Prix, and then fast forward to the the Spanish Grand Prix in 2014. And and it was night and day. I remember sitting there in the stands at the Nurburgring with the, you know, the, all the cars screaming by on the first couple of laps. And it was absolutely painful because I'm sitting there. We went with a group of eight or ten uh, guys. And, uh, you know, you're sitting there with all your buddies and you're talking back and forth. And, you st- uh, you know, <laughs> the next thing, your ears are literally splitting. And uh, it was a, a pretty subtle reminder to, uh, to, to put your earplugs in. And then, uh, you know, you look at it uh, more than a decade later when, uh, you know, the V6 uh, uh, turbo hybrid air uh, engines come in and uh i don't remember putting my earplugs in at barcelona the entire time uh, we were there for it didn't matter if it was practice qualifying or the race itself these engines although they're wonderful and fantastic pieces of uh, technology still it misses uh, something 
uh, that uh, that the normally aspirated engines had uh, before that, be it the V8s, the V10s, whatever. You know, it just uh, that that was Formula One. So, anyways, you know that that's one thing. You know, that's more of an aesthetic thing, even though, though it's sort of an auditory aesthetic uh, compared to maybe you know some other things. But as long as they they they've got as, the same amount of power and speed and and all that sort of thing. That's ultimately what I think it has to to stay as. Anyways, uh, it's been a long, long weekend here. I got to get ready for work in the morning, so I'm going to leave it right there. Thank you so very much for downloading and listening to the show. I'll be back in a couple of days with a regular weekly show. And until then, have a great week. Have a great uh, start to your work week if you're up here in Canada like me. And uh, until uh, the end of the week, until we talk again, take care of yourselves. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.